depends. This will just determine how much context I need to give. How many people are familiar with Nehemiah? Okay, okay, maybe half, maybe half. So Nehemiah uh, serves the king in a special position. He'd be like one of the top aides, all right? And uh, Nehemiah is hanging out with the king. Now, this is back several years ago. However, there's a lot of uh, parallels that can be connected to today. He's like a top aide to the king. He gets the king anything that the king needs. And so one day while Nehemiah is at work, they receive special guests from Nehemiah's hometown. Now where Nehemiah grew up is a lot like Raytown, but its name instead was Jerusalem. And so people from Raytown come or Jerusalem come and hang out with Nehemiah. And Nehemiah does what we all do when people from out of town back home, people that go to our hometown, we do the same thing. In fact, might I tell you today that one of my favorite people in the whole world is visiting my hometown as we speak. I get a text message this morning from Dr. Jaron Rao, who is in North Vernon, Indiana, the most backwoods of places, and says, hey, brother, I'm in your hometown. Ha! So you know what I say to Jaron? I say the same thing that Nehemiah says to his friends. I say, Jaron, how's it going back there? How is it? I haven't been to North Vernon in a long time. How is my hometown? Nehemiah says to his friends that come from Jerusalem, hey, how is Jerusalem? I haven't been there in a long time. How's it going? And his friends say, it's not going too good, man. In fact, the wall that was built around Jerusalem to protect it back in those days, they had physical borders, like real borders, and that helped with protection Today, we have drones that patrol our borders and help with protection. Back then, they had physical walls, and the walls were broken down, which means the protection was broken down. And what was the walls protecting? The walls were protecting the heart of worship, the center and place of worship where God's presence was. And so when the walls were broken down, that meant the center of worship was susceptible and open to danger. So Nehemiah's response was to cry, was to weep. He was sad because things in his hometown weren't going real well. Have you ever asked a cousin or a friend, hey, how's things going back home? And then you got bad news and it made you sad? Nehemiah gets bad news about the places that he loves and he becomes sad. He becomes so sad that he begins to weep and to cry. And he goes to serve the king because that's what he did. God had given him favor in the city. He was serving the king. And so as he was serving the king, the king sees that he's sad. And the king says, Nehemiah, I've never seen you so heartsick before. Why are you so sad? And Nehemiah's response was, well, my friends came and they gave me bad news about my hometown. And the very place that I love and the very place that I care for and the very place that's sacred to God is now broken and susceptible. And king, I'm just heartsick. And so get this, I love how human this story is. The king goes, gets his wife, and his wife comes and sits beside him. And the king and the queen, they listen to this story, and the queen has compassion on him. That's the best thing that could happen for Nehemiah, is because what Nehemiah wants to do is he wants to go back and he wants to fix the walls. 
The best thing for him is go get the one that feels empathy. And in this relationship, it was the female. And so the female came. In our relationship, it's, it's, it's me. <laughs> in Jenny and I's relationship, I'm the one that has all the feelings. Um, but <laughs> she has feelings too. I'm just saying, let me back up here. Let me back up, okay? Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> let, me, let me back up. It is a stereotype that women are the over-emotional ones. That is not the case in our, in our relationship. I am the over-emotional ones. And Jenny is the rational, reasonable one who can make the most sound decisions. I was trying to give a compliment here. Uh, uh, okay? All right. Uh, all right. Uh, it's a stereotype that men don't cry. Okay? That's, a, that's not true. Some men cry. I cry for all the men. Okay? That's me. And... In the king and queen's relationship, it, it was reversed. It's the queen that has the heart, okay? That has big emotions, big feelings. And so, uh, uh, who we're talking about? Nehemiah. Ne <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Nehemiah asked the queen, can I go back? And the queen says, oh, honey, please get on out of here. Go. We'll do anything. You need us, you need us to call the, the, the other emperor, emperor, emperors and rulers. We'll call them. We'll make sure that you're safe. You just go. You get on out of here, and you go back to Jerusalem. So that's what Nehemiah does. He goes back to Jerusalem, and in this book, in this short little 13 chapters of a book, you see Nehemiah pray nine times, nine times. What he's praying about is that the city is so much more than just his hometown. The city is God's presence and God's heart. And so when he sees that the city has needs, he sees that God needs to be spoken for. That God's name needs to be articulated on the lips of the people. That somehow when they forgot the city, when they forgot to take care of the city, they also forgot God. And so for Nehemiah's Nehemiah's issues here are so much more than just to build a wall. Nehemiah sees this as a way to protect God's character and God's name. And so he gets busy working, and God provides for him. They build this wall in 60 days, which is absolutely unheard of. Now, why is the wall so important? Because of what it protects. And what does it protect? The presence. If the wall is visible. If the wall is there, then the presence can be worshipped. Now today we understand that differently. Presence is not in a building. Presence is in a person. But the way that we protect the person of Christ, who's the center of our worship, is in the way in which we protect our own lives in testimony and bearing witness and so, though we might not build physical walls around ourselves as a form of protection, we build ourselves up in praise. We build up ourselves in worship. That's why in a minute, we're going to read your praises, and we're going to read your worship. In that way, metaphorically, we're building a wall around the protection of the character of Christ. Does that, I know that's over the heads of the children right there, but for the adults, does that Fair enough. Okay, because I want to tell you one more thing before I read you a special book. The other thing that I want to tell you is I think the heart of Nehemiah. And the reason that they make seminary students read Nehemiah is because we've become drunk on leadership culture. And we love leadership. 
Okay, we love pastors that go and build walls and get stuff done and lead and read Nehemiah until you have it memorized and be a leader. Well, I agree. Nehemiah is a great leader. But Nehemiah is not a great leader because he has great leadership skills. Nehemiah is a great leader because his heart burns for God. So that when it becomes that the whole world is against him, Nehemiah says, stand true on the word of God. Now, that doesn't happen if you just know how to lead boards. That happens only one way. If your heart is steadfast on the word of God. So in that way, you can be a leader just like Nehemiah too. You don't have to be a pastor. You can lead your businesses. You can go to work. You can go to school. You can be a screaming baby as long as you stand fast and true on the word of God. You can lead in the way of Nehemiah. So this is what Nehemiah does. He calls his friend Ezra. Ezra's a scribe. What does a scribe mean? Scribe means, and I think Derek can help me out on this one. Am I okay if I interpret a scribe in lay terms as just he knows Scripture front and back? Yeah, is that okay. Okay, good. So Nehemiah calls his friend scribe. He knows Scripture front and back. In those days, the Word of God was rare. Not that God didn't speak but that people didn't hear. Oh, God always speaks. Do you ever feel that the word of God is rare in your life? Sorry, let me put it in more lay terms. Do you ever feel that it's rare that God speaks to you? Does God speak to you? Or does God only speak to scribes, those who know Scripture front and back? Hmm. Or do you think that God really speaks well to me, but he doesn't speak well to you? Here's the problem with Nehemiah and Ezra. Everybody else around them, oh, God speaks to Nehemiah and Ezra, but God doesn't speak to me. You know who didn't believe that? The people whose leadership was on the foundations of the word of God. They knew that when God speaks, God speaks to all people. And that God's words are inclusive. And that God has selected a city to be like a light on the top of a hill. That God has selected Jerusalem to bear witness to all of the world, not just to Jerusalem. And so, Nehemiah gets his friend Ezra, builds him a pulpit, puts it up high so everybody can hear him. And they gather uh, 34,000, 40,000, something like that. It's in the ballpark, okay? They gather thousands of the Israelites. And you know what Nehemiah has Ezra read? Does anybody know? He has them read the law. That's the first five books. It's what they would say is the pure, unadulterated words of God. They have Ezra just read the five books of Moses. The first five books of the Old Testament. The unadulterated words of God. Does anybody know what happens? I wonder if anyone would be willing this morning, just to inside their mind, not out loud, but inside their mind, answer this question. What has happened in your life when the Word of God has broken through to you and revealed the love of God to you? Just think about that. Do you remember that? Do you remember the time when God was so real to you? Do you remember that? Even if you have to go back many, many years ago, do you remember when God broke through to you and you saw God for who God was? 
not through the lens of any other secular thing, but purely you saw God for who God was, and it was so much love that you could hardly contain it. I know I'm not just speaking to myself. There's one thing I told a friend. I had a blessed conversation yesterday with a dear friend of mine. And one of the things I told that friend was, I am just amazed by how much you love Jesus. That's accurate about what I said, right? I'm just so amazed. You know, we, we've been through a lot, and I'm not interested in talking about it. But I, it is important to know that this congregation has been through a lot. We've been through a lot. But somehow you can't quit. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you just don't quit. You just don't give up. No matter what happens, you just keep going. You know what that means? That means there is something in your heart driving you. And I recognize it. I see it. We heard it this morning. We experienced it two weeks ago and even last week. It's the Spirit of God living in you. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. This morning, God has sent us one of the most special guests anyone could ever have in their presence. And why is that? Because I believe God sees that you love his son, so he trusts you with his special guest. Wow! And so when the people hear Ezra speak, we think of law, we think rules, that's not how they heard this. What they heard was the love of God. And when they heard Ezra speak the love of God, it's like God was standing face to face and they broke down and they cried. They were overwhelmed. And you know what Nehemiah told them? He said, no, 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 this ain't the place for that. This is a good thing. This ain't a bad thing. Don't sit there and weep over all your sins and all your shame. You know God loves you so much that he's designed this very temple where we stand as a place to deal with all of that. Like, you don't have to carry all that. Don't. This is why we love this part. Now, listen, we love this at New Beginnings. He said, don't cry. Go eat food. <laughs> go have a feast. Go celebrate. Now, go back with me. Before I read this awesome story, go back with me in your mind, back to that time. When God revealed God's self to you in such powerful and amazing ways, when you saw God for who God is, which is pure love, do you remember where shame was at in that encounter? Of course you don't, and you won't. If you have never encountered the presence of God, I want to tell you this morning you can hear from the voice of God. You do not have to believe in God. You do not have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a really good layperson. No, God just speaks because God loves you. God loves you. And I think that God loves you so much that God gives us different stories in our life to convey how much God loves us. And the story that he's given me and my son Ben is a story called Guess how much I love you, okay? Has anyone else read this book? Yeah, yeah. Ben, have you read this book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read it to you, don't I? Uh, Carson, I'm wondering if we could go ahead and get the, I've got the pictures up for you. I want to read this to you this morning, but I know you won't be able to see this. I, uh, I think, Carson, is it going to take you a minute to pull that up? Yep, we'll give Carson just a second to get that rocking. But I will, I will tell you, 
that I received this book in 1998. This book is perfect for a three-year-old. I was not three in 1998. <laughs> I was a freshman in high school. Why did my mom, she wrote a note in here, I did not include this on the pictures up there. I was a little embarrassed. <laughs> Uh, and she calls me Jacob. There's only two people on this planet that call me Jacob, Chrissy Seaton and my mom, okay? Uh, she says, Happy Easter, Jacob. She got this for me because if I remember, and I don't remember, I had no idea this was my book. I read it to Ben the other day, and I was like, huh, this was my book. I don't even remember this book. I suspect that God, that God led my mom to get me this book because when I was a freshman in high school, all I heard when I heard the name God was how much God was disappointed in me. So my mom went out and got me a book that didn't have God's name in it. It's called a, uh, an analogy, a metaphor, um, allegorical maybe. And so my mom got me a book about bunnies so that she, I could be communicated with just how much God loves me. So this morning... Are we ready yet, Carson? We're good? Okay, great. This morning I want to communicate to you. Not through the five books of the law. I was tempted to do that. But I knew that our contexts are different and what the Israelites understood would might be different than what we understand. So this morning I want to read to you about little nut brown hair. Okay, I'm ready, Carson, if you are. There we go. Okay. Can everybody see the, the pictures? Kids, this is for you. Okay. Little Nut Brown Hare, who was going to bed, held on tight to Big Nut Brown Hare's very long ears. He wanted to be sure that Big Nut Brown Hare was listening. Guess how much I love you, he said. Oh, boy. I don't think I could guess that, said Big Nut Brown Hair. This much, said Little Nut Brown Hair, stretching out his arms as wide as they could go. And Big Nut Brown Hair had even longer arms. But I love you this much, he said. Hmm, that is a lot, thought Little Nut Brown Hair. Well, I love you as high as I can reach, said little nut brown hair. <laughs> I love you as high as I can reach, said big nut brown hair. That is very high, thought little nut brown hair. I wish I had arms like that. Then little nut brown hair had a good idea. He tumbled upside down and reached up the tree trunk with his feet. Well, I love you all the way up to my toes, he said. And Big Nut Brown Hair said, and I love you all the way up to your toes, swinging him up over his head. Well, I love you as high as I can hop, laughed Little Nut Brown Hair, bouncing up and down. But I love you as high as I can hop, smiled Big Nut Brown Hair. And he hopped so high that his ears touched the branches above. That's, that's some... Dang good hopping, thought little nut brown hair. I wish I could hop like that. I love you all the way down the lane as far as the river, cried little nut brown hair. 
I love you across the river and over those hills, said Big Nut Brown Hare. That's very far, thought Little Nut Brown Hare. He was almost too sleepy to think anymore. Then he looked beyond the thorn bushes out into the big dark night. Nothing could be farther than the sky. I love you right up to the moon, he said, and closed his eyes. Oh, that's far, said Big Nut Brown Hare. That is very, very far, Big Nut Brown Hare settled Little Nut Brown Hare into his bed of leaves. He leaned over and kissed him goodnight. Then he lay down close by and whispered with a smile, I love you right up to the moon and back. Now that was a prophetic book called Guess How Much I Love You. This is another prophetic book. It's called Isaiah. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Guess how much I love you. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. That's like saying I love you to the moon and back. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. That's like saying I love you to Mars and back. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. And here it is. All of Scripture hinges on this sentence right here. You are honored. And I love you. Guess how much God loved you. Ah, to Egypt and back. To Ethiopia and back. To the moon and back. Oh, he gave the galaxies for you. And he created all of earth and its beauty for you. He created your brain and all of its complexities for you. He created this whole earth and all its goodness because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Oh, how much does God love you, friend? It does not matter on how much you can perform the faith. It matters this one little thing. Can you receive our big, great God? Can you receive his grace that says, I love you to the moon and back? Father, receive our praise today as an acceptance that we love you too. We love you.